Welcome to Zenergy, the interactive podcast providing resources for building a better life. I am Zen Ashe. I am your conduit, your catalyst, and your coach that better life. Thank you. <laughs> uh, a catalyst sparks change. A conduit provides a connection and a coach draws out hidden potential. So today I am with Eddie Salas. So say hi to the people. Hello, people. And he's another podcaster that I uh, met in a podcast group. I'm not even sure which one because I'm in like four or five of them. Same, 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 same. (laughs) (laughs) And we had a great discussion not too long ago where he invited me on his show. um, And that was the T. TBD podcast? Yep, TBD podcast, to be determined. That's what I thought it meant, to be determined. And um, we had a great time on there, so I decided I wanted him to come on my podcast. And and we're going to talk today about determination, which I think is a beautiful topic. If anybody's been following me, they know that I'm going through the ABCs in whatever order people pick them. Um, And these ABCs of what I feel like are concepts that really lead to fulfillment, to joy, to direction in life, to to just having the most amazing life that you can have, the most actuated, actualized life that you can have. And of course, I think determination is a big one because I don't think you can really accomplish anything without determination. So to me, it's like one of the cornerstones of success, fulfillment, um, and just going back to like the basis of the word, determine. I think you first, before you can have determination, you have to determine what you want. You know, you have to determine your goals. You have to determine your values, your priorities. So you have to determine some things. You have to make some choices. And then once you determine those things, then you can be determined. You can become that person that says, hey, I'm going to move forward with this. And then that's when that quality of determination, which is now a noun, a thing, actually becomes a part of your life because you've kind of moved through that process. So, you know, you said when I was on your podcast, Eddie, you said that you asked all of your guests. What does it mean to be determined? So why why have you asked that question of everybody that comes on your podcast? Like why why is that a key question for you? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because I just started that up actually um, on this most previous season. So mm-hmm. originally, what the the name came about that I was trying to create a podcast, and I had a co-host, and the co-host had told me that um, we were going to do it on this date. So I said, okay, well, this is going to be a to-be-determined date, a to-be-determined name, to-be-determined podcast. As far as this, you know, the actual acronym of what people consider to-be-determined is is something in the works, right? And when I put that in place, he kept bailing on me like my co-host did. So we pushed back our start date maybe to, I want to say two or three times. The, The third time was a final time for me. Like I said, this is the date that I'm going to start. So I had set that up. I said, I'm determined to start it on this date. And because I was determined it through that secondary thought of what TBD could possibly stand for. So when I started the podcast, I was like, well, I am determined to start. So maybe I'm, I'm going to be determined to start this podcast on this date. 
So because I started with this season with uh, the idea of trying to support other podcasters and other entrepreneurs and other people that might want to actually discuss what they're doing along with some other um, shows that I have on my network. But the, the point was that I am not the only one that has these goals of determination or these, these feelings of as, um, uh, aspiration, aspiration. Is that the right word? I think that's the right word, yeah, that's right word. <laughs> but that was, that was a big deal for me was, so when I started the podcast, I was like, well, you know, this is a solid question for a lot of people that are introspective in their, in their overall lives. It's important for us to know, not necessarily because there's some people that will hustle and they'll grind and they'll hustle and they'll grind, but they don't have an objective or a goal. Their whole purpose is just to hustle and grind. And, and they'll do that until, you know, their fingers bleed or, you know, until they break, they break their backs and, and, and nothing ever actually comes out of it. So they're definitely determined. Those the individuals are determined, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have a purpose. Now, for me, what I've noticed with people that are, um, hustlers that are trying to start businesses or my big thing is to get people to think if they're people that actually go out and, and look at their lives and look in inwards. A lot of that is a, a almost a second definition of determination because it's, it's determination tied with purpose. So they have to take those two together and actually create something right like whatever that something might be like for example with your show and with my show this is i think that's a big deal for me is finding those people that are determined to to bring out the best and what a human can be and that's that's a really big important topic to me awesome well you kind of did two and one there with kind of why you picked this topic and and why why you think this is such an important thing, you know, determination, because I really do believe that it is huge in terms of success. And you kind of explain what it what it means to you, but you may want to elaborate on that more. You know, when it comes to I have gone through so many uh, things about determination in terms of like the definition has changed to me because at one point it just meant persistence. Um, and now it has a lot more to me to do with my inner world coming out to the outer world, you know, because, um, I decided this past year, I made a lot of decisions. I, I really felt like I could control a lot of things in my life and I wasn't doing it because I wasn't doing this. I wasn't taking control of this. I wasn't taking control of my thoughts. And so um, I heard this, I don't know what book it was. It was some book and it said that we only pay attention to about 5% of what is happening around us because we tune out everything that's not really relevant to what we're dealing with at the moment. And they were saying, if you actually train your subconscious and say, hey, here's my goal and bring me you know, let me notice anything that would help me with that goal. You actually become much more aware of everything going on around you that you would have overlooked. And so today I'm going to bring this up determination. 
I've been thinking about this topic since we said we were going to do this. And then um, I was thinking about some of the decisions that I had made, like one of the decisions that I had made, like maybe maybe about two months ago was I do a lot of networking. And sometimes I would go to networking events and especially with COVID, very few people are coming out. Um, and I would feel like, man, it kind of was a waste of my time. It really wasn't beneficial. And I said to myself, hmm, if I'm only noticing 5% of what's going on, okay, subconscious, every time I go to a networking event, I want you to make it worth my while. I want you to help me tune in to whatever I might be missing. And I became determined to, every time I left my house to go network, that I would come back feeling like, oh my gosh, that was such an amazing experience. Oh my gosh, look what happened. Oh my gosh. And I set that that standard in a sense in my head. And ever since then, it hasn't mattered how many people have been there, hasn't mattered where it's been, hasn't mattered any of that, that's been the outcome, you know? And uh, so today that actually happened, I went to, a, there was a park, beautiful park, there's water, you know, a lake, Lake Woodlands, and there's all these artists, all these tents out. And so I'm going around talking about the podcast and everybody's like, oh, that's nice. That's, that's nice. You know, okay. Yeah. You know, so they don't seem all that interested. You know, they wanted me to buy their paintings. You know, that's what they're there for. So I'm thinking, okay, well, I know that there's going to be something really beautiful here. The water is here. Let me go sit by the water. Let me just let the, you know, let me let nature just ah, relax me. And, and it's so beautiful. It's a great day. And I'm going to, there's this huge park now. It's people everywhere. All these benches, all these areas, like four different pavilions, all this stuff. So there's like thousands, thousands of spots I could be, right? And I, I'm walking to this one area and this guy is fishing over there, which I find really interesting. It's like four o'clock in the afternoon. He's fishing. I was like, I thought people fished in the morning. I'm surprised to see you out here. Now he's like, oh, they bite all day. And I look at him and I'm like, this guy looks familiar to me. But I'm like, well, maybe he just has one of those faces because I can't place him. And so he's just talking to me about fishing. And I just I have no no interest in fishing, none at all. But he's just talking about fishing. And I'm like, okay, you know, great conversation. We're talking about fishing. I know nothing about fishing. That could be a very Zen practice, just saying. You're right. So <laughs> he's talking to me about fishing. And um, and so I'm getting ready to leave. And I say, you know what? I should just give him a flyer anyway. Hey, you know, I have a podcast. I was out here. I was out here just to promote the podcast and talk to people. And he goes, I thought you looked familiar. I oh, wow. <laughs> do your conference table. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and he's like, um, how's your podcast going? And I told him and I'm like, how's your business going? Cause he'd sold the, the conference table cause he was moving from one business to another. Oh, okay. And he's like, we're doing a million dollars in our first year. I was like, oh. and he's like, and I'm doing workshops. And I'm like, oh, I'm doing workshops. What's your workshop about? And he goes, well, the one I just did was on change. And I said, I just had a guest cancel on me. And I said, I'm going to show you this because you're not going to believe me. The title for her podcast was Change Your Range. Now, this guy just did a workshop on change. <laughs> <Right>. Okay. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I came determined to get something out of this podcast. And I'm sorry, to get something out of this networking um, venture. And this is the man who can take that spot that just got, you know. I know, very synchronicity. Out of all the people in this park, I happened to walk right up to this guy who sold me my conference table and just did a workshop on change. And then I say, you know what? I'm, I'm doing workshops too. He's like, well, what's your workshop on? And I happen to always have my little backpack with me and I pull out my, my workbook, you know, and I tell him about it. He buys two on the spot and two sets of uh, bookmarks. So determination <laughs> i'm bringing that up because there could be people out in the audience who listen to this later and i feel that you we people that whole inner thing it creates so much outside of us so because i had made a determination in my past that every time i went out it was going to be beneficial for me and for the people that I interacted with. I walked up to the right person who could take a spot that got, you know, uh, where I got stood up, right? And I can do workshops with this guy. And I just so made four sales as he was fishing. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> so, you know, when we talk about determination, I, I think it is a big topic because I think it starts mental and then it goes from there. And, and I think thoughts create things. I, I say that all the time. Thoughts create things. And when people say, well, what do you mean by that? OK, I just showed you what I mean by that. Right. My thought in every time I go out, it's going to be beneficial for me and people I interact with created my beeline to this person that I wasn't even really intending on really talking to that much. I mean, I was just going to say, hi, how you doing? Nice fishing. I hope, you know, but there was something else going on. You know what I'm saying? All of that. So. Yeah. You didn't even know, know that, that that was somebody that was going to be in that realm of focus. Right. And I think you're not alone in that. I think a lot of people when they, when they become, and maybe that's a, a downfall of termination is that they think that that they become driven to a pigeonhole view of what they want to do or what they want to to happen to them, that they kind of shun everything else that doesn't fit into that perspective. But if we're open to what the world is trying to deliver to us, the universe is trying to deliver to us, that we can receive those, in, you know, those little bits of tidbits like like your fisherman that you had nothing in common with you know like he he happened to be that synchronicitous point of that day that actually connected everything together for you you know it's right. I, I love those kind of stories they're great yeah they, they are great it's it's and it, and it it validates for me everything that i say to people and everything that i believe it, it just brings it into such clear focus that this is the way the world works. Even though we weren't trained that this is the way the world works, the world works this way. Sadly, um, right? Like this is, and I know, I know you're a teacher, so I'm not by no means am I, <laughs> am I knocking the whole teacher thing. But like, I always think about that. Like when, when I was a kid, like if I would have been, and not that I would have paid attention to those kind of lessons, but like, um, 
any type of like philosophical questioning, um, real history, you know, versus the tidbits that we learn, things that would have like driven. And it's funny, like as I got older, I thought about this one teacher that I absolutely despised in middle school. I just hated this guy. But he taught me so much that actually somehow was festering in my subconscious that made me question the things that I see in, in our overall and our, our government, our society, stuff like that. And it was, it was really strange to think about it. Like, cause I was like, man, where did I learn this from? Oh, that teacher I hated in middle school. Like that's where I learned this from. It was so strange to me that this guy, you know, was able to bring this to the forefront for me at that age. I just wasn't able to actually receive the gift until I turned 40. <laughs> you know, it just took me a while to get there. <laughs> it, it is interesting about what we don't realize we're taking in. And then we realize later how much impact it had on us. So, you know, one of the questions that I put in the description of this show is what, what do you feel are the foundations of determination? Like, where does it come from? Do you think people are like born determined or do you think that they are taught determination or do you think they learn it on their own or do you think it's all three of those? It, that's a weird one because that goes into the whole philosophical debate of uh, nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. um, I thought about that one a lot. Out of uh, your whole list of questioning, that was the one that really kind of stumped me. Like I was like, I don't know. Like that's a weird one because the only way I would be able to answer that mm -hmm. and, and, and feel like that's a solidified scientific empirical answer would be if there were two of me that existed at the exact same time mm. and we were able to go different routes and, and decide whether or not determination played a role in our genetic foundation or whatever. Like that's a weird, that one's a tough one for me. <laughs> so like the way that I thought about it, the way I stand is I've always been like, I always tell people that I am a, a lover of misfits like I have always been the type of person that 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 attracted the the outwardly the people that didn't really fit into the societal norms. I was able to um, intermingle between different groups in high school. I was able to intermingle in groups and and you know. And I always tell people that, like I told my daughter, she's you know she's going to be going into high school next year. And I go, you know, sadly, cliques and groups and stuff that doesn't go away when you get to to your jobs, you would think it would go away because adults should be adults, but no, they still have cliques and groups. And sadly, you see that in even our government, our government, like, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tulsi Gabbard, but she was, she was on the democratic ticket. I absolutely love that chick. She's amazing. But she was talking about um, when she was a Congress member that she tried to high five a Republican she's a Democrat and she high-fived a Republican and she actually got shunned from other Republican or Democratic members because mm -hmm. she was trying to show some kind of kinship amongst the other people that were, you know, in the, in the office. Like it, it they have clicks and this is our political parties, you know, our political affiliates yeah. the, the, our supposed quote unquote leaders that have these same ideologies of, of clicks. So Back to, sorry, back to your point with determination. The, the scary part about that is I think for me, when I decided to focus, it was because I was in a spot in my life 
where I felt purpose didn't no longer exist. Mm -hmm. I felt that I was perpetuating a stereotypical blue collar life and that I was, I was becoming depressed. I was becoming anxious. All the dreams that I felt I had quote unquote American dream, all those things that I felt that I had were slowly kind of going away in the way of me paying my time to this world, hoping to get a beneficial paycheck so that I could go out and what pay bills. Like that's what I felt that I <laughs> like those were, it's like, I didn't feel my purpose existed. And then I was like, you know what though? One of the things that I enjoy, I, I enjoy learning and I enjoy conversation. Mm -hmm. And I felt that looking at a lot of um, historical philosophical debates and it's kind of funny cause I'm a big, I'm, I'm pretty big into politics as well. So getting tied, um, you look at like a lot of Stoics that were tied into philosophy in ancient Greece and stuff like that. But um, that's where I realized that my purpose was, was being able to, have a conversation with different groups and allowing them to maybe converse with one another, whereas they might not have ever talked to one another before. You know, when I was in high school, I used to associate myself like I had family members that were bloods and then my friends were crips. And then I had friends that were in skater gangs and, you know, you had the stoner crew and, and I could get those guys to have conversations with one another on a human level and realize that there's more that we have in common that we might not necessarily not have in common. So for me, I realized that my determination as a human was more important than my determination as a entrepreneur, I guess. And that's one of those weird evolving things that you talked about that it changes for me. Like determination is a, is such a weird, even though I use it as my focus point on, on my podcast, I was thinking about it. Your line of questioning is amazing because it, it really made me think introspectively on how, you know, even though I, I think about it that way, there's so many different facets that I can try to attract that require, like determination falls into like, a scale of motivation, but you need to have purpose to even have determination. Yeah. Like there's so many lines that necessarily have to fit. You could have the most drive of anybody, but if you don't know where you're going, you know, it's, it's, it's like a train running off the tracks, you know? I agree with you. And, and as I started doing this podcast, you know, I found myself, I'm on one topic. We're on determination. And then I found myself saying in the podcast, okay, we're talking about determination right now, but the episode from the past, you really need to watch is busy or building because that one was about, are you just a hamster spinning your wheels or are you actually moving towards your goals and That's a good. life that you want? You know, yeah. that ties in exactly to what you were saying about the hustle, people who hustle, 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 but they're not really getting anywhere. That's the hamster on the wheel, you know? So the thing about life, and I try to teach my students this, you know, I'm an English teacher and there were students who would be in my class and they would be a little upset with me because they said I taught too much history. And I said, well, you can't understand the piece that we're reading 
unless you understand what created it. And what created it is the history that led up to it. So if all we do is read it, you're going to have a very superficial understanding of it because you don't understand it was created in a context. And so we have to, and, and the one thing that I don't like about America in terms of, I think other nations value history a lot more than America does in general. Um, people think, well, that's the past. I don't need to worry about it. But the past, we still are human beings and we still recreate the past if we don't learn from it. Absolutely. And so that's the power of history is you can look at what happened in the past and say, Ooh, I see the signs. Let me stop before we end up here where we right. don't, you know, and, and like I told my students, we're living through a, sec, a second civil rights movement. We're living through things that should have been fixed, but weren't. They've built up again to the eruption point. And that's why we had George Floyd and the protests and all that stuff. So, so there's individual determination and then there's societal determination, group determination. You know, um, I've seen in with COVID so much group determination on, on so many topics, whether it's dealing with the homeless and COVID, dealing with, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and human rights issues, the LGBT community massive. I mean, you want to see some determination? You look at some of those groups. I mean, I mean, inspiring biggest protest movements that we've ever had in the world have happened in the last year. You know, so you see that, that groundswell and the power of the people coming to, to the forefront. And then you see the individual individuals that are coming. I see, to me, there's a renaissance of art. If people are not noticing that there's all these books coming out, there's these paintings coming out, all of these biopic movies of these characters that were overlooked. You know, we had Billie Holiday come out, we had, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah. I mean, just it's just, it's just overwhelming. It's wonderful, it's great. You know, I see a determination to tell stories that have been overlooked, to uh, right wrongs that have been done, um, so I feel like in a sense, we're living in the age of determination. You know, we're living in the age where people are saying enough is enough. And if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to be the one to start this movement and even kids. I mean, there's so many kidpreneurs right now, <laughs> you know, that are doing all kinds of, of social activism um, and in creating businesses and things like that. So I, I just see, I think it's a very inspiring time to live and in a very tumultuous time to live. You know, the best of times, like what Charles Dickens says, what is the, the best of times and the worst of times? Worst of times, yeah. That was, that's funny because like I've actually heard that, uh, I can't remember where, but they were saying that usually in the most tumultuous times in history, that's where the best art comes from. Oh, yeah. You, and I, I was thinking about that when you said that because, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty politically active. I'm, my political, my personal stance is I'm a libertarian, mm. which means limited government, you know, more personal responsibility. But living <laughs> in the American society and the American culture, we're not, I feel like a lot of Americans really aren't up to par with their own personal responsibility. You see that with 
the silliness of the mask debates and the coronavirus and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I get it. Like, that's just the, the way of times um, in stoicism. It talks about the ability to focus on the things you can control, which is your soul yourself. So you can focus on what you can do and everything outwardly of your soul or yourself is ordained by God or the universe or, you know, whatever you want to look at. And I, I think humans are so um, fickle. Like we don't uh, like you see it in, in almost any culture. We, we, we live within that cultural dynamic that we only focus on that cultural dynamic. We don't think that things could possibly be better, you know, but I think right now, we're seeing a big change in, in policy. And that's, I think it's why people are so uneasy and uncomfortable is because there is a big change. Not that I believe <laughs> our current sitting president is, is that big change? I think, but I think the people are the big change. I think that we're, we're pay attention, uh, paying attention more. We're noticing more that what these politicians are doing. It's not, just, uh, you know, my mom's a Democrat, my dad's a Republican, whatever the case might be. I think we're actually paying attention and that the, the culture is shifting into a, um, uh, a blue collar, the people class. And that's where a lot of this, this, this momentum's coming from, which it, it cracks me up because I have so many friends, like where I live, it's very rural. So it's very conservative here. And a lot of those guys, you know, they, they talk about, uh, you know, overreaching government and, and to me, overreaching government is the same thing as, you know, police brutality. That's a, it's the same thing. Like to me, that's the same thing. So you can't claim that the government is overreaching and then not recognize that that BLM may have some valid points in what they're trying to protest against. And then on the same token, it's like, and, and I saw, um, I think it was CNN reported on uh, the Eamon Bunding. Are you familiar with that case at all? No. What? What? It was, it was, so it started in 2016. And what it was, was it was grazing rights in Nevada, um, I want to say Nevada, Utah area. And the federal government had come in and basically um, was going to arrest the cattle ranchers in those areas. And they literally had an armed standoff. Hmm. These guys came in and they, the ranchers in the area armed up with their guns and everything. And they fended off the federal government from coming in to arrest these, these cattle ranchers. Mm. See, and, and it's so crazy to me that it's like, okay, that's government. There was government overreach. These guys are providing food to the nation. There's nuance and discussion to be had. Absolutely. hundred percent. But to me, it's like BLM and those guys, even though they might, they do have an intersection point. Like there is a government problem that the general populace recognizes that we don't want to agree with one side or the other because we've we've managed to divide ourselves so hard that we can't possibly find sympathy or compassion for the other side, you know, and and that's why um, that was another reason why I started this podcast actually was because I wanted to bring nuance to the forefront 
and try to explain that people are doing the things they do because they feel the way that they feel. They're determined to show you how they feel. And if it's got to be through force, it's going to be through force because you've given them no alternative. Mm. And I think that's, that's an important thing to recognize with where we are. I saw something the other day that was talking about us being in a, another, a second Gilded Age mm. from the 1890s. Yeah. So they, they were saying that, you know, our political division and, you know, how people, you can tell a person based on how they tell you what they believe in, what political party they belong to. And mm. that shouldn't be that way. You know, that's not supposed yeah. to be that way. So I just, I think it's kind of crazy. Well, that's interesting. If people don't know what the Gilded Age is, um, basically it was a time when the have-nots and the haves were so, there was such a huge divide and the haves really felt entitled to have everything, everything, and didn't care that the have-nots had nothing. And there was so much corruption and it was just, it was just rampant and, and, um, out of that time, we had a lot of movements come to try to help the little guy, you know, and, and to protect the little guy um, because people innocents were so disgusted by, I guess, the brazenness and the, the lack of sympathy, the lack of, of uh, fairness in the society. Um, and so it's, it's, it is interesting that you bring up that comparison. You know, and my next question on the list was, is generation, is is determination generational? You know, because we're talking about this generation and how they're rising up. Um, and we see a lot of young people. You know, I know with the protests, it was a lot of young people. And I remember looking back, I can look back in my family. You know, my grandparents were very active. Um, <laughs> my grandmother and father, they used to sit on the porch with a shotgun because they were protecting the freedom riders when they would sleep because the KKK was likely to come out and try to burn. Um, I remember reading car. about that. Yeah. I read yeah. about that. Or, or they were likely to come. If you, everybody was sleeping and nobody was watching, they were likely to try to snatch somebody up in the middle of the night and lynch them. So they were much less likely to do that. If you had a shotgun pointed at them. You know, so that was my grandparents and my my aunts and uncles, you know, my parents, uh, my uncles in the Supreme Court case, um, Garner versus Louisiana that desegregated the lunch counters. So that was argued by Thurgood Marshall, you know. Um, and so my my family has been in activist circles for generations, you know, and that I was raised that way. And um in, at uh, LSU when they had what they call the massacre there, you know, when there was protests against the Vietnam War, my aunt was on campus, you know what I'm saying? She was shot at, you know, so, so they have been protesting, you know, my whole life. I went to my first protest as, teen- as a teenager. So for me, all of this is like, this is something I've been involved in, but for a lot of people, they've never seen some of the things that have happened. And this generation has gotten really involved. And some people felt like before they were kind of, I guess, spoiled and disengaged and entitled. You know, what do you think? Do you think that there is any kind of 
differentiation between the generations on determination or do you think it's individual? It's not really generational. <laughs> I feel you're loading me up with a question is what I feel like you're doing right there. <laughs> There is no right or wrong answer. This is so, so whatever you say is is is. So I don't believe in right or wrong answers on on pretty much all the questions that I put. I I like to hear what people think. Perspective, yeah, I love that too. Yeah. So okay, so one of my favorite quotes about history is that um, man rises through history in silken slippers and or rises through history. Yeah, rises through history in silken slippers and falls through history in wooden shoes. Mm -hmm. So I've always, when that was, uh, I've heard that first from Dan Carlin. If you ever get a chance to listen to his podcast, amazing history podcast. But I mean, that synopsis says that we, we come up through history through privilege and then things take crap and then we descend you know, through, through whatever downfall it is that we descend through society wise. As far as determination comes between, I think it's, it's difficult to say individual or a generational because we have to recognize wrongs to be able to stand against them. And some people get so comfortable in their complacency that they forget that these wrongs are even being committed. So I watched um, Life of Pi. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Okay. My biggest thing about that movie is the island. So when he goes to the carnivorous island and he visits that island, he's happy there. He gets food. He gets sustenance. He gets water. He's comfortable. He could die there. He's okay with just being there for as long as he could possibly be. Everything he needs is at that island. But his problems didn't go away. He's getting everything that he needs to survive, but his problems aren't gone. And I think about that so much on, on, on a personal level, because I'm like, where do you stop? Like, you don't stop until you win, right? So it's this is one of those things where it's like, you see the problems, but because, you know, you got an okay life and your bills are paid, do you just let it go? Or do you try to make things better? And I think that's where a lot of people forget on the protest side, why we have our rights in, in America, why America is so special is that we can go out and we can tell the government head on, this is what we think is wrong. And, and it shouldn't be one of those things where it's like, where people are coming up to you and saying, well, why are you complaining about this? Well, if there's enough people to create a protest that can block off highways and block off you know, city byways and tell you that something's wrong, maybe you should try to listen to what they have to say. Like there's something functionality wrong with the government. And this is why I believe personally Trump got elected is because people on that side saw that there's a problem with the government and elected whether or not you agreed with him or not. But that's why he got put into government is because people saw the government as not working for them anymore. It wasn't something that portrayed their interest. They saw this, this guy come out from left field that had nothing to do with politics, but had a bunch of money, but he was telling you that he was going to drain the swamp and he was going to end corruption and all this kind of stuff. 
that's arguable there. I, I don't think he did, but you know, I'm not, we're not here to talk about that guy, but you know, that the, the point of it is that he got elected because the people in this country felt that the government itself was disenfranchising them from their rights and um, uh, abilities as, as Americans in this country. So where we're at now, we'll see what kind of, stems from that. You know, I, I always, as an American citizen, the way I look at it is I don't want our president to do bad. I want him to be as good for the people as possible. I hope what my hope is for this next four years is people have the same determination with and, and vigor as they did against the government as they did while Trump was in office so that they can see that the work's not done. Just because that guy got out of office, there's a lot of work that needs to be done still. And and until we completely take everything back as, as the people of America, I don't think that. And you might see generational determination from the kids, kids. Mm -hmm. But I think I often tend to fall back on uh, like my family and my my the adults in my family that I remember, they never approached government as a as a responsibility you know like i don't remember them ever talking about voting i don't remember them ever talking about getting involved in local politics nothing like that but i think with the way that i see a lot of kids now whether or not you know it's some weird indoctrination you know you might see it on the on the conservative or liberal side but at least they're kind of getting them geared into a point where they're like oh we need to pay attention to this we need to recognize and, and see that if we want to be determined as a society, if we want to progress as a society, what are our next steps? Who do we who do we look at? Who do we you know, who are we voting for? Are they are they representative of our true intentions in, in, in this country? Yeah, I, I agree with you on on that. You know, I think that there are so many different backgrounds. Um, my family is probably different from a lot of black families in terms of they are politically active and have been politically active. And, and there are a lot of black people that are in communities where there's a very low voter turnout. Um, but because my family was involved in things like voter registration drives, that was not an option. As soon as I was able to vote, it was like my parents were like, you voted, right? Uh, you did vote, right? I, I do that with my you kids. You didn't vote. Get your behind up and go vote. Now this there. Look, girl, you got time to get to the polls. You know what I'm saying? So it was, it was like for me, going to college was not an option. Voting was not an option. There were certain things that were not options. It was just, you're going to live in my house. You're going to do certain things. You know, if you're going to live in my house, you have to have certain grades. If you're gonna live in my house, as soon as you turn 18, you vote. You're gonna live in my house, you know. So that was it was just not even an option. So there were certain things that I don't think I ever even, how can I put it, considered, you know, it was just not even a choice, you know. So um it, it was like a in a sense a betrayal of everything that all of the sacrifices and the people that put their lives on the line, right? So um, 
that's one perspective. And then there's a totally different perspective of, oh, your vote don't matter. No, no, no. They already picked the person way in a long time ago and money buys everything and it's all the lobbyists and whatever, all of that. And, and that may have a lot to do with presidential elections and not so much to do with local elections. Absolutely. But, you know, so I think that determination, I think that some of it is generational because some of it is, instilled in you. Um, you know, I remember, and I've said this on a different podcast. Um, I have two sons, 25 years old. And when they left high school, they had some difficulties adjusting to adult life. And I remembered looking at them and seeing kind of the light drain from their eyes and they were doubting themselves and doubting their ability to be successful. And, and it was a difficult time. And I remember almost channeling Langston Hughes, you know, don't you sit down on them steps now. God knows it's kind of hard, you know, but I still climbing, baby. And life ain't for me, ain't been no crystal stair, you know. And, <laughs> and it was almost like that you had to, I talk about at the beginning of my podcast, me and a coach drawing out that hidden potential. You know, I almost had to say to them, look, you know, you come from people who overcame and yes, life is hard. Yes. You get doors slammed in your face. Yes. You may have to work twice as hard. Yes. They look at you and come up with a whole list of whatever they think that are stereotypes. Yes, yes, yes. And so what? So what? You can't change any of that. All you can do is keep moving forward. You know, and I think about that Rocky, there's a clip from Rocky, I think it's Rocky three or Rocky four, you know, when uh, his son is embarrassed that his dad is going to go back and fight at like 50 or some crazy number. And he's like, dad, I'm just getting my start. People are just starting to take me seriously. And if you go back and fight, they're going to be laughing at me. And Rocky says, when you were a child, you were so small, I could hold you in my hand. I don't know what happened to you. <laughs> because when life hits you, you get up. You don't sit there and blame your being on the ground against life being hard. You know, you get up. It doesn't matter how hard you get hit. It matters how many times you can get hit. And Rocky says, keep moving forward. How many times can you get hit and keep moving forward? Yeah. That's what winning is made from, you know? That's what winners do. And it's a great clip because he does not for a second let that kid feel sorry for himself and feel like, you know, he's able to make this excuse for why he, why, oh, it's hard. It's hard for you, baby. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Let me, let mama, you know, let mama hold you. I'm going to just take care of it. No, Rocky's like, no, life is about you getting hit and you keeping the forward motion going. You know, you get hit, you keep moving forward. You get hit, you keep moving forward. And I think it's a very powerful message of determination, you know? And, and so I do think that sometimes the older generation has to be that tough love for the younger generation and has to say to them, Baby, I done been there. Get up. You know what I'm saying? Like my dad told me one time, put your big girl panties on and get up, girl. You know? And 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 not to give them that excuse or that, how can I put it? That 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 permission to wallow in it. No, right. you gotta get up. You gotta get up and you gotta keep moving forward. 
you know. That's one of my favorite King quotes is uh, if you can't fly, you walk. If you can't walk, you crawl. Yeah. Whatever you do, you keep moving forward. And that's a, you know, like that's, and that's such a big deal to, um, I think, and and not to downplay anybody's trials and tribulations through adversity, because I know, you know, I'm a Hispanic male. I look Arabic. Like I've, 9-11 was the worst time to look the way I looked when that happened. I was a, a cable installer. And uh, I never experienced so much hatred for an outward appearance than I've ever had in my entire life. Like, you know, and I have I have black aunts. I have, you know, um, a lot of black family members, a lot of mixed family in my in in my blood. So it's the the struggle that they've had to go through. I see it from their perspective. I see what they have to deal with. And there's you can't downplay that they do struggle with stupid things like, like um, a friend of mine, he's a, he's a real estate agent. Um, He's a black real estate agent. He has a friend that's a mixed, um, one of his coworkers is a mixed real estate agent and he talks very professional. And when he talks to people, people call him and they'll tell him on the phone that they don't want to live next to black people, you know, Mm -hmm. and he, and he's, you know, he's, he's a half black, you know, American human, I, human. I, I hate using, you know, breaking it down like that. But he's a human, and they tell him they don't want to live next to <laughs> to black people, and he's got to downplay it because that's his job. His job is to sell houses to these these people, and it's like you know, and he he's talking about the difficulty of 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 dealing with that kind of stuff. But they, him and my friend that's in real estate, they never stop that forward momentum. You know, they they drive past the hatred. They drive past the 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 discriminations. Yeah. Like you said, they they it comes to them and it sucks because it's it does seem like it's a little bit disproportional at times. And I completely understand that. But it, you have to put that foot and plant it and just, you know, like I one of one of the quotes I'm thinking of right now, it talks about what do you do when the weight of the world falls on your so- shoulders you, you stand and brace, you know, like <laughs> you, you brace yourself. That's, that's all you can do. Like as, as a human per, as a human being on this planet, the only thing you have control over is your own will, your own determination and your own drive to try to progress to the next phase, whether it's through, you know, hatred or, through through despair or whatever and it sucks because i get it because there's so much that makes people want to just quit but if it if at any point if you can just understand that that this too shall pass Mm. you you can move to that next step you know it's yeah it's crazy humans are humans are a crazy crazy uh because we're we're so different than the rest of this world that we don't we don't operate on the same scale as everything else that exists on this planet. You know, we we can we can take a problem and look at it and be like, you know, these are the rules, but you know, screw the rules, I'm going to do it this way. Like I don't want to do it by the rules. I want to go this way. You know, and and uh I think that that when we recognize that we don't have to play by those cultural dynamics 
because that's the way we came up that whole nature versus nurture argument. Um, if that's your, your, your nurture, like you grew up in the ghetto, you grew up in the hood, you don't have to play by those rules and, and, and have to stay in that same game. You can bust yourself out and try to do something different. You can try to be better. You can try to, you know, I, I just, I love, I love the human potential. I think it's an amazing, amazing thing for sure. Well, I, you know, you saying this too shall pass. Okay. So the next question was like, does it require religion? You know, and, and in the Bible, it says, and it came to pass. And I remember (laughs) I was sitting in church. This is when I used to go to church, like four years ago. The pastor said, uh, the Bible says it never came to stay. The Bible never says in there, and it came to stay. It always came to pass. So everything is transitional. You have to always realize, you know, you're on your way to something. You're on your way through something. It's not, you're, you're not here just to stay in this one spot. And uh, so when it comes to determination and religion, you know, I, religion is an interesting term because I learned that. <laughs> I was going to ask you about this. So I'm glad you're going to talk about it. Cause I was going to yeah, ask you. About I, this. I learned that the word religion we started off talking about determination. The base word is determined. The root of the word religion is L-I-G, which is lig, which actually means to tie or to bind. And that's where we get our word ligature from. Like when somebody strangles a person, they use ligature. Mm, religion, strangulation, you know? And re, the prefix re means again or repetitively. And then ION is a suffix that means the act of. So the word religion actually means to repetitively bind someone through a process, hmm. through an actual systematic system to bind them. Okay, so, you know, when I learned that years ago, I was like, that's why I had such a big problem. I'm a free spirit. I have a lot of questions. I like to learn. I don't like to be boxed in. That's why I have such a big problem with religion because it's literally, that's the whole purpose of it is to (laughs) bind you, to literally tie you, to literally stuff you into a box of beliefs and say, this is it. There is nothing else. Believe this and we're going to keep you going back every Wednesday, every Sunday, every Friday, whenever the women's meeting is, whenever the men's meeting is, whenever the youth meeting is, to keep binding you again and again to these beliefs and these thought processes. Um, And I remember when I was reading um, The Miseducation of the Negro, and there is a quote in there that was so powerful. And he said, if you teach a man or a woman, child, whoever, that he or she is inferior, you don't have to make a back door. They will make one for themselves and walk right through it. So when it comes to determination, I think that religion is a double-edged sword. I think that it gives a lot of people faith that things will get better, that they're here for a purpose, that God is on their side. But then I think it also gives a lot of people that, well, it must be God's will. So maybe I shouldn't really try, you know, and, and maybe, maybe, you know, suffering, Suffering Jesus suffered, so I guess I'm just supposed to put up with this. 
So I think that depending on what you take from it, it makes some people complacent and some people, uh, a lot of people who came against Martin Luther King Jr. basically said he wasn't Christian. I mean, the whole letter from Birmingham jail starts off with him being called evil and he's not a Christian because he's standing up against segregation laws. And then he has to go through the whole argument of Jesus and Socrates and Copernicus and all these people, Martin Luther, stood up against laws that they felt were wrong because there's a higher law, the law of God that says we are all created in God's image and nobody should be put down or you know, discriminated against or abused, um, the golden rule kind of thing. So for me, I think that I think religion and determination, it can go either way. It could be a, a help and it could be a big hindrance, depending on what your religious beliefs are. You know, yeah, that's true. I think um, I did a uh, an episode um, called uh, uh, Spiritual Love and, and Window Cleaning. My little my little brother, he was on the episode. Um, he owns a uh, window cleaning business out of Denver, and he's a huge, um, he has a strong belief in the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we actually discussed a little bit of that, because I think he's one of those people that because of him, I found a little bit more nuance in, in the belief of a religion. He doesn't say religion, he says relationship. You, you know, a lot of people say relationship. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. But yes, I agree 100% with the dogmatic views when when somebody tells you that you have to believe a certain thing because this is exactly how it's supposed to be portrayed. It's like, well, I get that, but you understand that because you believe those views is only because you were born in this side of the world. If you go to another side of the world, you would have got an entirely different book of views that would have told you the exact same things to believe and it wouldn't be this God or this Jesus that they're telling you to believe in. So the way I utilize a lot of um, theoretical uh, texts is, is usually just for information. A lot of it's historical documentation. I think there's, there is a lot of value that can be found in those books. Yeah. As far as I think determination goes within religious texts, Unless it's a determination of faith, unless you believe that, you know, no matter what happens, God has your back. I think that's the only level of determination you really get, because I don't think when it comes to there was a one of the I can't remember the whole meme logic. You know, people can say what they want about memes, but they do a really good job about embedding information in your head. I agree. But <laughs> but one of the memes that I saw was a uh, it said that the uh, the the universe does not take kindly to demands or what is it the universe does not bow to demands and so it doesn't take kindly to demands. So if you believe that things should go your way, the universe is going to fight you and give you something entirely different than what your, your intentions were. Mm -hmm. Um, I probably have that quote wrong, but the idea is that, you know, 
just because you want something to happen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you still can't make it happen. It might mean your struggle might be harder. It might mean that um, I was talking to my co-host on my today's stoic episode or uh, show. He was saying that, you know, he was talking about if he ever wanted to become a, a basketball player, you know, he's, I think he's like five, six or something like that. And he's not good at basketball at all. And he was saying that, if you wanted to become a basketball player, you know, that's not realistic. And I said, well, it's still your choice. Now it might not be easy, but if you really, really wanted it, you could do it. Now, whether or not you would be getting to the NBA or how much effort's going to require you to get into the NBA, that's a whole different story, but you can still drive for it. You can still wake up every morning. You can do nothing but dedicate yourself to the sport. You can do everything that it takes for you to get into that position. Now, is it going to be easier for somebody who's, you know, six foot seven and, you know, has a 23 inch arm uh, jump and, you know, a 17 inch wingspan? He's probably going to be better off because, you know, that's just what, you know, the, the, the whole, uh, dynamic the physical dynamics of being able to play a good game of ball is going to be you can be who you are you know be short dumpy and not be able to jump to save your life can you do it maybe but it's going to be a hell of a lot more work for you but it doesn't mean that you can you have to change your your dynamics just to fit what it is realistically yes you you need to go back in and recalculate you know what are my chances of of being able to pull this off and how much effort do I need to put in and then maybe see if you have alternative choices, but it doesn't mean that at any point that you should just give up, you know, those are your choices. Those are your, your, your stances to do what you feel you're determined to do. If you can go out and create something, obviously logic will play a role, you know, where you might fall into place, but, you you need to assess you know what what are your what are your potentials for this can you pull it off is it going to be a lot harder for you it, and if it is going to be a lot harder for you don't don't strain yourself about it you know recognize it say hey yeah this is actually going to be really difficult for my life but i'm going to still pursue it because this is what i want to do all right that's all you go for it great you know um when i was creating um the Facebook event for this. I had put 11 questions on here and I think we've gotten through um, number four. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we're going to kind of stop there. I wanted to do a piece of poetry and I definitely wanted you to tell the people where they can find you, but audience who's tuning into the podcast, those questions are not going away because see what I do believe is that it's great to really mine your own subconscious and your own beliefs and, and to get to know yourself. You know, I created my Zenergize Your Life package. And one of the things that people say as they work through it is, I'm getting to know me a lot better. I have never asked myself these questions before. And now that I've really sat down and had to journal about this, I am getting clarity on what 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 is important to me, what I really believe, you know, how I can really align myself up with what I believe. And, um, you know, I heard this YouTube video and uh, 
this guy was asking this personal development coach. He says, man, he's like, my business is taking off, but my personal life is, is crap. And the personal development coach said, uh, well, if we go with Malcolm Gladwell's theory, when you're successful in something, it means you put about 10,000 hours into it. You became an expert in that. So let's say you put 10,000 hours into your business and you know that business inside and out. You know every piece of equipment. You know the best strategies to sell. You know you know every book that's been published You know on that whatever you're doing. You know it like the back of your hand. But how much time have you invested in yourself? How much time have you invested in actually thinking about you know, what you want to do outside of your business, like in your personal life, like your standards for yourself, how much time do you spend? And the guy was like, I never even thought about putting any time into myself investing. And he was like, oh, well, what do you expect if you don't invest in yourself? If you don't, in a sense, get to know yourself, explore yourself, think about really what makes you tick, get to know yourself, then yeah, you're not going to your personal life is not going to be where you want it to be because you're you're reacting rather than making choices, whether than than already having a lot of things outlined and knowing what your values are. You're just reacting. You know, and so um I thought that that was a really powerful conversation. You know, we get the results we get because of the investment we make and and to decide, "Hey, I have this life." I have this brain, I have this heart, I have this, you know, I have all of this me. What am I actually doing to invest in me and really shape my thought process, shape the way I deal with conflict, shape the way I deal with people, you know, shape my heart and my attitudes and all that. And, and you know, if you're not using my pro product, use somebody's, you know, <laughs> go through some something where you're investing in yourself on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Um, because to me, that's the only way that we actually create a life that works and a life that's fulfilling. Like you said, you could be hustling till you bleed from your fingers, but then feel like you have accomplished nothing. And I think that that's what the Bible was talking about when he says, what does it gain? I mean, what does it, what good does it do a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? You know what I mean? So I'm gonna I'm gonna read you guys this piece of poetry that I wrote this morning, and then we're gonna listen to Eddie Silas tell tell us how we can find his podcast and how you guys can follow him. So I was thinking about the concept of determination and just everything that had happened. Oh my gosh, so many things have happened recently. This everything. So this is what I wrote. The end all and be all. Wanna let my thoughts drift just a little, emotions crest shift and just settle. Life, turbulent but unforgettable, has definitely been my lot. Wanna breathe deep, stretch, massage my bones, oil, lotion, fingers, touch alone is sensual. Needed is a home that grounds me to my cornerstones. Want to dance to music, light a wick, stare in space for just a bit, journal, question, and reflect till all is calm in me. 2021 has been a beast. New challenges bring new release. 
family, environment, health, increase, weather and stress, a search for peace. Darkness, then light, now harvest season, all the past erupts, no reason. Seeds sown years ago have spread, blossom, festoon, don't fear to tread. The jungle looms vibrant and red, but I, machete hold. Fearless I be, secure you see, I know the who that you call me. I know the what I choose to be. I know the why that's driving me. Then when and how, that's not my job. My pulse, I listen, hear it throb. I move synchronous on top, nothing will subjugate. Wanna let my thoughts swirl in the ether, breathe in, join with other seekers. My body, just a travel keeper, storing all within. Life is, it's true, is many-hued, is multitudes unfolding interludes, like music rich, like flavor strong, like sex, a rapture hours long, like nature, a peacock feather shown. Love is, it's true, is pain and lift, is growth and death, allegiance shifts. 2021 has been a beast, but I choose life, love, and peace. I choose full expression, release. I am, this is, that's all. So, <laughs> thank you. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, so a lot was going on in there. Just just the who, what, when, where, why, and how. The weather that we had, the crazy weather. Oh, I know. Jesus. Uh, everything, you know, I mean, I was just all the, you know, I'm thinking about all of these things that are happening, you know, everything. It, it, it's just life is. Love, it is. You know, you have all of these things to deal with and, and you have to just Deal with the jungle, knock it down with your machete. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cut yeah. your way through and keep going, keep moving forward. So, you know, it definitely was about determination, you know, and, and about even though life is a beast, you just keep moving forward. So, so tell the people where they can find you and, and the names of your podcast and everything. So you can find us on, uh, Facebook is the TBD network, but uh, the easiest way to probably find our podcast is at anchor.fm slash TBD dash podcast. And they have all the social media links that you can click on there. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, there's two podcasts on the TBD network right now. One is called TBD. It's a podcast thing where I had the wonderful Zena Shea on there. And then the other one is called Today's Stoics. Basically, those are, I try to keep them around 30 minute episodes of just stoicism, the philosophy of stoicism, and how it portrays our current society and how it can help our current society. A lot of it has to do with, it's kind of funny, like um, I'm more of a Buddhist. My co-host is more of a stoic. And uh, it's it's kind of cool because the two uh, philosophies kind of intersect a little bit, so we can discuss the historicity of it. And it, it I, I enjoy talking with that guy quite a bit. Uh, his name is Eric Martinez. 
he has also his own podcast called uh, SADM. It's the severe, I always mess this up, severe auditory, or no, excuse me, SDAM, severely deficient auditory memorization. Yeah, that's so basically it's a neurological function where his brain doesn't think like most people. Um, it's not a deficient like a disease or anything. It's just the way these people think. And his podcast is crazy because he he talks to other people that talk about how they don't see images in their head and how they don't hear things when they think it's just weird, like a thought. It's, there's no and I never really thought about how I think until I talked to this guy. So I was, I, I was like, he's like, do you, th- do you see pictures when you think? I don't know. I don't think about if I see pictures when I think I just think, you know, like it's not. So it was, it was fun, but anchor.fm slash TBD dash podcast is my uh, easiest way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And I am Zen and this is the Zenergy podcast and you can find the past episodes on laughsandlyrics.com. That's L-A-U-G-H-Z-A-N-D lyrics.com. And thank you guys for joining us as we talked about determination. I hope you enjoyed it. And you will see the questions we didn't get to in the workbook that will be coming out in June that'll have all the new episodes on it because the first one just has all the A episodes, but the second one will have the rest of season two on it. So thank you guys for joining us and may you walk in Synergy. Have a great night. My name is Zenashe, and I have a weekly podcast called Zenergy which is Fuel for the Mind, Body, and Soul. And this is the Zenergize Your Life Goal Setting Package, Volume 1. It comes with the workbook, a journal, stickers, a bookmark, tabs, and a QR code where you can find my podcast. And inside this workbook, you're going to have 16 different principles. The first one I'm going to show you mine is abundance. You have a place to put pictures that inspire you of role models, also pictures of goals that you want to create, goals, journal prompts, meditations, affirmations, all kinds of things to help you focus on this principle to better your life. And like I said, there's 16 principles. So this is a $15 package that comes with all of these things I've shown you, $21 with shipping and handling, and you can get it at laughsandlyrics.com. So Zenergize Your Life with me. Thank you.